Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Hello, 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 and hello. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. I hope you're doing fine out there in podcast land. In this episode, you're going to hear me in conversation with YouTube English teacher Hadar Shemesh. Many of you will already be familiar with her if you know about her YouTube channel, which is called Accents Way English, and her podcast, which is called Influency. In her episodes, Hadar talks about all things English learning, including attitudes, methods, and especially pronunciation. Hadar is not a native speaker of English, but she has learned the language very effectively and wants to help others to do the same. So, in this conversation, I wanted to get to the bottom of the whole language learning experience for Hadar and find out what it was like for her and what happened during her journey of English learning with a view to providing you with some key bits of advice. What can you learn from what Hadar has learned? Now, my interviews are usually longer than the one that you will hear in this episode. This is because we had to cut this one short. Hadar had some people doing building work near her office and they made a loud drilling noise, which basically made it impossible to continue, which is a pity. But Hadar and I have plenty of other things to talk about, so perhaps we can continue our conversation at a later date. But if you would like to hear more chat between the two of us, then there is more, because on the same day that I recorded this conversation with Hadar, she recorded a conversation with me, which is often the way it works, isn't it? So if you'd like to hear that then check out the episode or video that Hadar has published on her channel, which is her interviewing me, okay? Uh, I will put links uh, in the description and so you can find them there, okay? But now I will let you listen to my conversation with Hadar Shemish, an English learner who's done an incredible job on her English and now is using the things she's learned to help other people learn too. Okay, so this is my conversation with Hadar, recorded a few weeks ago, and here we go. Hadar, hello. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. Hello, and thank you so much for having me here. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm very much looking forward to kind of finding out all about you mm. and about your learning English and teaching English experiences. Mm. Because uh, you strike me as being a sort of very uh, motivated and focused uh, person mm -hmm. who has kind of uh, been very successful as a language learner. And now you've, you've flipped that to, to actually helping other people do the same kind of thing, right? Right, right. Um, I like it that you, th you think of me as a focused person because sometimes it really doesn't feel that way. Quite the opposite. <laughs> 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I think I have a very interesting English journey as a learner. And then uh, that has turned into teaching, which to me, it's still a part of my English learning journey. Because when you teach, I'm sure you feel the same, that when you teach, you learn so much more about the language than when you just speak it. Um, so to me, it yes. feels like I've, I've learned the most once I started teaching from just myself trying to clarify how to explain something. And then, then it starts making sense to me, but also how to make it easy for people to understand. Um, so yeah, it's, mm. and, and, and it's an ongoing journey. So tell me about your experiences then, right? So you moved to the States at some point and that's where you're kind of language learning really took off. Is that correct? So I studied English at school. I wasn't born in an English speaking country. I was born in Israel. So I was, you know, I I wasn't even exposed to English until the age of 13 when we started getting more TV shows from, from the U S and honestly, uh, I think my studies were very not great bad in school. Like I, I didn't even have a good grade, um, during my high school yeah. years. Uh, but I, I'm a very attentive person. Like I like listening to people and to the language. I'm very much in love with the sounds of the language. And at the age of 20, I moved to New York or 21. I moved to New York to, um, just, explore life and then later to study acting. And I think this is where it started getting interesting for me because I realized that there is a big gap between who I am and my ability to express who I am because of the language. And up until that point, English was not like a mission for me to learn. I knew the language, but I didn't know how limited it was once I tried to actually make make a life for myself in an English-speaking country. Tell us about the English that you had at the time that you moved to the States, right? So when you were about 20, 21 years old, give us an idea of what your English was was like. Yeah, so I was able to have decent conversations, not deep conversations. My vocabulary was limited. And I also had a very distinct Israeli accent because I right now what you're hearing is after some work that I had put in throughout my years in acting school because I did study pronunciation. Um, so it was very obvious that I'm not an American. So there would always be a conversation around who you are, who are you, where are you from? Your accent is so cute. You sound so exotic and all of that. And I think that made me realize, um, I, I really wanted to belong and to immerse, to fit in actually. And I wanted to be an mm. American. I had this dream that this is it. I'm going to become an American actress. Um, and like that clashed every time I had a conversation because people were pointing out everything about my, how I sounded about my sounds or making fun jokes about how I use the words and no, this is not the right word. And you're so cute. And I honestly hated it because it just kept reminding me how much I actually don't belong in their eyes. Now, of course, that wasn't meant in a bad way on their part. These were mm-hmm. my friends or, you know, people I worked with. Um, but it really made me feel like I, I need to commit to this journey where I make English my own so that I choose to to talk about my English journey and not it being chosen for me by other people communicating with me. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, totally. Because when you were speaking to people, there was just this thing that they had to talk about, this thing they couldn't get beyond, yeah. which is like, oh, you sound different. Or like the the this yeah your your English was something that they couldn't quite get past it was yeah, it was a barrier you're not and, from here. and there's a lack of control it's a sense of control like mm -hmm. I, I don't want it to be about where I'm from I want it to be about the conversation so to, in in the attempt of of um, fixing that I also changed my name which is something that I'm not very proud of now but like when I started living in the U S and I was working there I named myself Julia. So that my name wouldn't stick out as Hadar. Oh, Hadar, that's not an American name where you're from. It didn't mm -hmm. help because people still kept asking me about. Uh, and they were like, so wait, where are you from? Where did people think you were from? Did they, I guess they went through a list of places, right? They're like, are you from this, this, this? Where, where did they think you were from? Um, I got Brazilian, Dominican Republic. Um, uh, I got Middle Eastern, which is, you know, like my, my roots are from there. Um, actually I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised in Israel, but my mom is from Libya. My dad was born in Iraq. Like my roots are Middle Eastern. And, um, so I would get that a lot and Israeli because there are a lot of Israelis in New York. So people would also kind of like, oh, you're from there, yeah. right? Let's talk about you know, your country. And that's not always a conversation I'm ready to have. So. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. But then you were like, oh, hi, I'm Julia. And they'd be like, Julia, really? Julia? Hmm. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. I can see what happened. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is why I'm very adamant about talking uh, a lot about identity and language in my teaching, because we cannot disassociate it, especially immigrants living in the U.S., um, like trying to understand how to fit in or how to feel like they belong. And because um, it goes way beyond the language experience, the, the the right grammar or the right pronunciation, which is also something that I really focus on because that mindset could potentially lead to your success or to your failure in a way in, in, in how you feel in the language. Okay. So what happened then? So the, the, you were experiencing all these things and these yeah. feelings and these responses and the, the, the conversations were all about, uh, you know, uh, the fact that you, you know, they, people couldn't get beyond the way you sounded and the words you were using and, and so on. So I guess this became a big motivation for you to kind of try and change that. So what did you do? Yeah. So that was a big motivation, but also I started studying acting in New York City. And I had that other part aspect of the language that I wanted to have freedom and more opportunities. And when you have an accent, you have very limited opportunities in the acting world, especially in the US. Mm. So I knew that I had to work on my pronunciation to acquire an American accent. So I could use it if I wanted to apply for a role where the character is Native American, North American. Yeah. And I also fell in love with the sound. So I also think that I have, I'm, I'm very geared towards the sounds of the language. I love the musicality of it. So when I started learning sounds, it was a perfect fit. I was passionate about learning it. It made total sense. I noticed how I'm able to change how I sound and what it gets me, right? How I'm able to communicate my message better. It built my confidence. I was able to actually improve my fluency through 
working on sounds, as funny as that may sound, like it wasn't limiting me because I made it my own. And then I was able to express myself more fluently. Um, but I think that at that, during that time, it was still a matter of the external, like how it seems on the outside. So all of a sudden I was getting closer and closer to sounding like a native, but I have to say, you know, looking back, like that was 20 something years ago. So I think that uh, back then it was really also about how it seemed to other people. So it did build my confidence, but there was also this, okay, now I sound closer to a native, but I actually don't feel super confident in the language. So my fear was bigger that what if I make a mistake and people would be like, how come she makes this silly mistake if she sounds like a native? The imposter syndrome, right? Like she's a right. fraud. So on one hand, I would feel more freedom. On the other hand, I would feel like, wait, but what about what's happening inside? Because I'm actually sometimes afraid, especially speaking to native speakers, to be perceived as like to, to create that, you know, uh, it's going to be an anomaly. Like how come, how come this is happening? Um, so that was yeah. constantly in my mind. Now I'm going to fast forward to like the time where I started teaching and I started teaching like all the things that I've learned as as a student, I, because I was very passionate about pronunciation and I felt like, okay, no one really talks about it. I moved back to my home country after a few years and I really missed this type of work. And also I needed another source of income. And I was like, l l let's try and teach pronunciation. And I was focusing on that. And I, I, back to what I said at the beginning, I think that I've learned so much about pronunciation, so much more when I started teaching it. Um, and at the beginning of my teaching journey, I feel like I was still very co connected to this idea of sounds and how to change your sounds and like that concept of speak like a native, you know, because this is what mm. I've learned. I had learned. This is what I knew. And even though I know that it wasn't like the most immersive experience or the most complete, holistic I have more adjective if, adjectives if you want, but like the most holistic experience, <laughs> I can come up with a few more. Go ahead, list them all. <laughs> Global, holistic, uh, complete, uh, yeah. overall. Immersive. Yeah. Uh, it, was still, it was still about the external experience. So it was helping my students to a certain level, uh, but it wasn't until the point where I had to transform internally about who I am as a non-native speaker, and then to own up my identity as a non-native speaker, knowing that as one, no matter how I sound, I need to give myself permission to show up as I am with the potential of me making mistakes, because I know that no matter how hard I, I try, sometimes when I speak really fast, like it, it might not be aligned. And I, I think I was so terrified of, of that conflict that there was a, like, I wasn't showing up as my authentic self and I wasn't ever, like, I never really felt super confident in the language. And it was only until that transition that I said, like, I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm a non-native speaker. I'm going to use it and say, this is me. And this is me with everything that you see, like with the awkwardness and the getting stuck sometimes and the making mistakes sometimes. Not when I teach, but all, but sometimes when I speak. And mm. that is my value. And the moment I did that, I think some something shifted inside of me 
and allowed me to start really owning the language. So it wasn't just the external work. It was really the internal work that made the difference and then allowed me to show up and do what I do and, you know, help many people around the world. So what's, what do you think is the most important thing to prioritize then? Mm. I mean, language learning, there are many different things. As you know, there are many different language systems. There's many different skills involved and identity issues. What do, what do you think is the most important one to focus on? I think you're like, first of all, it depends on the stage. If you're just starting out, then I think that working on building the right habits, just, you know, we, we talked, we had an uh, episode that we recorded on for my podcast and channel. And I think you said the five P's practice, 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 practice. It's, it's really all about that. So to develop the lifestyle that will allow you to practice effectively every single day. And I think that people are so wrapped up in the illusion of learning. They're consuming content, but they're not putting it into practice so that they think like they practice, but they don't really practice. So like they, they feel like they're on a hamster wheel. They're just in motion, but they're not moving anywhere. And that happens because they don't put what they learn into practice. So first of all, I think that developing strong habits about showing up to your to do your practice, finding joy mm. and motivation in it. So always reminding to yourself why you do this, that will create the right foundations. And then whether you learn grammar or vocabulary or pronunciation, you will have nice, strong foundations for you to carry it through until like you actually get to... Um, to develop your language. So that is one aspect, but I think I always thought, like I, I created this thing called the fluency wheel, which is the six pillars of fluency, um, confidence and mindset, pronunciation, mm -hmm. grammar and syntax, you can call it, um, yeah. listening comprehension, speaking time and active vocabulary. So which is the number of words that yeah. you actually are comfortable using, not the words that you know. And you, mm. you need to rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 in all of those elements. And they need to be equally strong. So it doesn't matter if you give yourself three or eight, it doesn't have to be eight. But if three of them are eight and three of them are two, then there's going to be a gap between your knowledge and your ability to communicate yourself. So because people have different needs and different experiences. So I think that it's important to identify your weak points and then to focus on that to get stronger there so that you have your, uh, all those pillars are equally strong. So, you know, try and practice across the board, try and sort of focus on all those different areas. Not all of the, them, your weakest areas. The, the weak ones. Yeah. The ones that are mm -hmm. not strong. So for example, if you would give yourself eight, for grammar, like you're confident and you know you have this knowledge, but you don't speak, right? Let's say you have zero opportunities to speak. I don't think that you will be able to put what you'll learn into practice. So it will affect your fluency. It will affect your confidence when it's time for you to speak. Your grammar is not going to be there for you if you don't constantly use it, even if it's just recording yourself, mm. right? You don't have to live in an English speaking country to succeed. So I think it's like, it's the mm -hmm. 2080 rule, right? The Pareto principle, focus on the 20% that will get you 80% of the results. And a lot of times it's really hard for learners to know what is their 20%. So they just 
watch YouTube and listen to podcasts. And, you know, we were both content creators and we know that the content we create sometimes would be good for some people. And for others, it might be a little too much or too soon, or we can't control. We do what we love and what we believe is helpful for our students. But as consumers of content, I think that people should take ownership and know, okay, this is critical for me because this is my weak point or I am geared to, you know, to this, I have a lot of students who are very passionate about pronunciation. So they practice it more and more because they love it, but then they don't put in any work on in grammar or vocabulary, right? So it really is about knowing you're focusing on what is critical for your fluency at this stage. So going back to you and your story, so you identified that pronunciation was the thing to work on, yeah, right? Um, and you, you just talked about the importance of doing the right kind of practice and the right kind of habits. Right. So what sort of habits and practice did you use then to develop your pronunciation? First, it was developing my listening skills, my ability to perceive the differences. Because I think one of the reasons why it was hard for me to understand what I'm doing wrong is because I couldn't hear it. I'm going to give you an example. For example, the aspirated P, pay, where you feel like there's a little H that is different from spray, where the P does not pop as well. Now, for me, it sounded always the same. And it's not critical for clarity. So if I were to say pay, people would still understand it. But once I, start, once I learned about it, it was just like I started hearing it. And then when I started hearing it, it was a lot easier for me to use it. And that is a subtle thing. Sometimes there are bigger things like sheep, ship or pool, pull, right? Vowels that are very similar. And for some speakers who don't have all those vowels in English, they may categorize it as one, which is what I used to do. So first it was to really pay attention to what I'm hearing and not to use the filter of the written word to can perceive the sounds, which is what I was I used to do before that. Um, Did you have any particular resources that helped you to sort of decode yeah. the oral version of English? So I was lucky because I was in my acting studies. We had speech and pronunciation classes where they actually taught us all those sounds. This is where my mm. brain was like, now I get so it. So you, you're talking about the phonemes, yes. the phonemic chart. Yeah. 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 And this is why why I teach my students because they know it's going to help them. It's It doesn't only help with pronunciation, but also with listening. Because when you hear those sounds, you recognize the difference between the words that may sound the same if you are not aware of those differences. So pronunciation mm. is not just mm. for how you sound. It's really how you hear and how you perceive the language, especially when it comes to reduction yeah. and... Uh, you know, similar. And if you, if you think about it, I mean, pronunciation is absolutely the most important part of the oral version of English, isn't it? Surely. I mean, obviously there are the words and the structure that we're using to build it, but pronunciation deals with how it should sound, what it sounds like when you're hearing it and how you actually mechanically do it, how you create those sounds with your, with your body. So it's, it's tremendously important. Um, and yeah, you're right. People often don't, you know, they don't prioritize it. People worry about it and stuff, but maybe people don't know how to do it. You know, this is like a bit of a mystery. I think it's, it's, it's not easy to teach when you first learn a language and people don't have the skills, so they avoid doing it. But when you think about it, when you think about language acquisition, how kids learn a language, it's first of all, hearing, 
And then it's producing right away, producing the sounds, all the babbling phase where they go ga 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 ba 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 right? Like trying out the sounds. That's how a language is produced. Mm. And, mm. you know, trying a word again and again and again until you get it right. Why not learn a language the way the brain is geared to learn or thrives in, you know, like when 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 it learns a new language, the, your first language? I, I take a lot of okay. my work, a lot of my teaching from like learning language acquisition. Sure. Absolutely, this is, 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 makes total sense to like, base the teaching theory on the understanding of how people actually learn languages. I guess, like people are quite uh, sort of focused on results from the very beginning, and people want to be able to do things right from the very start. But this approach that you're talking about does seem to involve quite a lot of error, like getting it wrong a lot before yeah. you get it right. You know, and, and and you can't really expect to get it right first time round, you're going to have to keep doing it and doing it again. Yeah. And that's where all of those identity issues and all the, 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 the pain comes in. Right. Because there's all that stuff about the fear of getting it wrong and, and so on. We, we, we are a culture of perfectionism, like perfectionists, right? Like we, perfectionism is, um, celebrated and, and it really clashes mm. with the idea of language learning. Um, and so you're absolutely right. I, I talk about m making mistakes all the time, but also about repetition. So when you learn a sound, right, when you hear it to be able to transform it or to put it in your mouth and get it right, then you need to learn the physicality of how to produce it. Right. So you need the, the, the rules, like the science behind pronunciation, but then you need to make it your own. I call it to build pronunciation confidence. And that's all about repetition, mistakes, intentional learning. So it's not just to repeat the mistake is also teach yourself how to know if you are actually getting the sound right, or you're just repeating something that is convenient or an old habit, old pronunciation habit that you bring to your, from your language. For example, if you're trying to pronounce the R and you learn that you need to pull the tongue in or the sides of the tongue and around your lips, er, great. And then let's say you practice run, re red, and then gradually your tongue goes to the uh, sound. Maybe you're a Spanish speaker and you'll say, right, really. And you don't notice and you keep repeating it with the old pronunciation. So I think it's not just about repeating it. It's also being very intentional. It's quality over quantity. Don't just do it again and again and again, but do it really focused, knowing that you're actually changing something. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to two dollars a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So let's go back to methods and resources then. Yeah. And maybe using you as a case study. So you were doing acting classes, you were learning the phonemic script. What did you actually do with the phonemic script? Because a lot of people, they'll see the chart and it's just like, oh my God, uh, 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 another language I have to learn. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a, an alphabet within the alphabet and people just kind of like, go, ah, no thanks. What was it that you actually did with it? So we took, like when I learned it and also when I teach it, we took specific sounds and we learned how to pronounce them. And then we drilled them, like said the, the sound in words in all different positions, beginning, middle and end again and again and again. And then in short phrases and then in sentences. And this is also something that I use because, um, I, 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 I don't want to focus so much on IPA. I do use it. I think it's a great tool, but I don't want to make people feel like they have to understand it to understand sounds. They have to feel the sounds inside their mouth. So I think that is the main thing, like to understand what happens and to create like that new category of sound in your mouth and in your brain. So I would uh, maybe like to turn what I like my story into a method, which is how I also teach pronunciation. It really is about understanding the differences, perceiving the differences, then learning how to pronounce it, then the repetition, knowing that you are actually pronouncing it correctly, uh, building confidence using the sound, but then using it intentionally. And this is something that I did in scripts and texts. So I would take my speech work and then use it in real life, use it when I would go into scene study classes and learn different scenes or memorize texts or speak to my friends, I was always conscious of how I'm actually taking what I've learned and using it when speaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Your guys are now doing their work again in the background. That's right. We're going to carry on, even though there's some noise in the background. We'll see can if we can work around it. Talk to me about shadowing. Um, what is shadowing and how do you do it? So shadowing is a technique that I used quite a lot, which is basically to take someone that you like their voice, you like the how they sound and how they use their speech. And then you basically follow what they say, paying attention to the specific intonation, rhythm and stress and specific sounds. So you would usually focus on a specific sound and then um, repeat what they say and try to always get it right. Um, and I think that with shadowing, the good thing about it is that you can kind of like repeat it again and again and again until, you know, you, you get, uh, you get it in your body and not just in your head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we can carry on with that noise. I wonder. It might be a bit too much. Um, I'm so sorry. I think maybe, like, maybe I, this was not. No, no, don't worry. I understand. This is this is what it's like. You know, when you're not in a professional studio, it's uh, you know. I, I no, I this is my professional studio. They're renovating the studio next door. Oh, oh really? It is. Yes, it's not supposed to happen. Oh, right, this is okay. why I'm paying for this. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, don't worry. So I guess we could probably wrap up and then maybe sort of like, you know, reconvene at another time and, you know, have, have another conversation. Um, but it's going to seem a bit shorter than my normal episodes, yeah. but that's okay. Um, so, all right. Well, maybe, maybe kind of, um, just to, to wrap up here, you asked me at the end of your episode with me to kind of give a piece of advice, a single piece of advice. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. What do you think? What, what, what single piece of advice would you give to learners of English? I think that trusting that you deserve to be heard, no matter um, what the outcome is. Because I know it's a struggle. I know that we try to get it right. And there is nothing wrong with always striving for being better and getting and improving yourself. But at the end of the day, when you're speaking, it's all about communication. It's all about making an impact. It's all about being heard. And I think that unless you give yourself that permission to be heard and that you deserve to be heard and people actually are interested in what you have to say, um, I think you would find it really hard to communicate. So the, the internal work aligned with the practice and everything that you're doing is not less important. And it's worthwhile kind of like investing in that when you do this work, when you learn a language. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Thank you. Where can uh, everyone find you and your content? Um, so you can actually find me on uh, hadarshemish.com. That's my website. And uh, I have a podcast called The Influency Podcast. So if you're a podcast listener, I think, um, you know, you're, you, you might like podcasts better, this podcast. Great. So everyone, links will be in the description as usual and on the page for the episode. Uh, Hadar, thank you very much. Uh, have a lovely day. Thank you so okay. much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, uh, you know, let's speak again. Okay. Because there's loads of other stuff that we can talk about. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And uh, well, bye-bye for now. Thank you. Bye. So that was Hadar Shemesh. As you could hear, the noise in the background was too much there. I don't know if you could notice because actually I managed to remove quite a lot of the background noise in post-production, which was a bit sort of difficult, kind of a painstaking process to remove background noise. It helped that I had separate audio tracks for me and Hadar so that when I was talking, I could just kind of like completely cut out her side of the conversation. But when she started talking, you could definitely hear the drilling in the background. And it was too much. I mean, sometimes on this show, I have persevered, even though there is background noise, like you may have heard me do episodes before where there's a, a vacuum cleaner or hoover in the background or the sounds of some hammering and work going on in the corridor and it's been okay but in this particular case it was really too much so we decided it wasn't really possible to continue unfortunately but maybe we can continue at another time as I said earlier you can also check out the episode Hadar did with me on her channel and you'll find links for that in the description of this episode okay so here we are listeners here we are I'm I'm still trapped in a time loop Right As I record this, it's mid-April. I'm recording this on the 18th of April, 
first thing in the morning. And as you listen to this, it's probably a couple of months after that, right? But at the time I'm recording this, it's mid-April, and I've just released the episode which is called What Does It Really Mean To Be Good At English? I released that one last week, and it's doing very well. That seems to be a popular episode. Also, uh, the week before that, or a couple of weeks before that, I released uh, the Parsons Pleasure story episode, and also the Monster Bogey episode, the conversation about that kid's book with the author, Anna Brooke. And I'm happy to report that some people were slightly disgusted by the talk of snot and bogeys in that conversation, but everyone seemed to enjoy it anyway, including Anna's travelling stories nearer the end. So that's the um, Monster Bogey episode. Parsons Pleasure, the Learn English with a Short Story episode, has gone down well, which is normal for those sorts of episodes, especially on YouTube. I think I've said before that some most most of the time my audio episodes get more uh, downloads or views or listens or whatever you want to call it. Most of my audio episodes perform better than the video versions most of the time. But then sometimes there'll be a video version which comes along which completely wipes the floor with the podcast version. I mean, it sort of gets a much higher number of listens or views or downloads or whatever. And normally it's the learn English with the short story episodes that that do that. And I've I've kind of learned a certain formula with the certainly with the thumbnail of those episodes. And what's the thumbnail? It's the picture that goes along with the uh, episode, especially on YouTube. You know, thumbnails are incredibly important on YouTube because it it, it it makes a difference to what people choose to watch. On the podcast, basically, you subscribe to the podcast. And if you're a fan of the podcast, I assume that you will just listen to the next episode when it's published. The, the title of the episode has a has an impact. But on YouTube, you'll you'll be browsing on the um, on the main website, and it'll suggest videos for you. And obviously, you can visit different channels. You can visit my channel, and if you are a subscriber, and if you've you know clicked the bell icon and all those little fancy things, then you might be notified of new episodes that I publish. But most of the time, people just go on YouTube, and you kind of browse, and you just click on things that appeal to you. And a lot of that appeal comes from the thumbnail. It's just the first impression that you get. It's like the, a little opportunity to sell your episode to, the, to a potential audience. So the thumbnail makes a big difference. So I've, I've kind of got my formula for the thumbnail for those videos, which is basically a screenshot of me recording the episode so you can see what you're going to get in the episode which is essentially my face on the left side of the screen and then the text that I'm reading on the right side of the screen. And so you see my face and you see text, you see lines, you know, sentences. And then superimposed over the top of the text, I put a box and the box says, learn English with a short story in big letters. Maybe a couple of other details, but essentially that's it. And... Um, that seems to work, you know, because a human face, a human person's, a human, a humanoid face um, accompanied by uh, text on the screen appears to be um, what YouTube is looking for. So as I'm recording this now, let's see what how many how many views has um, Parsons Pleasure had? 
Uh, it has had uh, currently 343,942 views on YouTube, which is not bad, with 19, a 99.3% uh, rate of likes. So that's 15,380 likes versus 110 dislikes. I wonder why anyone would have disliked that episode. Maybe they just don't like my face. They're like, ah, I don't like this guy. I, I dislike. Maybe that's what some people do. But that's pretty good. That's pretty good performance. It's probably going to make... Um, a million views, and I only published that nearly three weeks ago. So in three weeks, it's yeah, we're we're on for over a hundred thousand a week, which is pretty good. It's going to get to, it's going to get to a million, I think. The other one I did, well, I've done lots of those short story episodes now, as you well know, but the one I did called the Mountain is pushing two million views. Uh, let me have a look. The Mountain. Uh, we're looking at uh, how many views here? Just trying to find out, everybody. Okay, Just bear with me. Right, so it's got 1.9 million views. Not bad, eh? Not bad. I'm one of those YouTube people now, apparently. Um, which is uh, fine. I mean, I still, I still prefer the podcast. I still prefer doing an audio podcast. In fact, um. I've been thinking recently that maybe I should just do a few audio episodes because they're easier for me, they're more efficient for me. Um, every now and then I do audio episodes that don't have YouTube versions. And that's the, that's the true spirit of Luke's English Podcast. It is uh, ultimately an audio show. Um, and that's the medium I like the best. But, you know, when I can, I will video myself recording my episodes so that people can see that too. Okay. All right, but anyway, it's, I'm glad that everyone's been enjoying the recent episodes. Yeah, Parsons Pleasure, what a lovely story it is. And I must say, I really enjoy reading out stories, especially ones that require a bit of acting from me. I really enjoyed pretending to be um, Boggis and then pretending to be the farmer, Rummins, and the different attitudes and voices. I really enjoyed that. I love acting. I would like to do more acting on the podcast in some way in the future. I have done some acting sort of outside of the podcast before. I've done a few sort of auditions. I've done some voiceover work. Um, I, ad I, I auditioned for an advert, a big corporate advert once. Uh, but the audition was horrible. I hated it. I had to stand there with a bright light in front of my face and a camera and a director sort of telling me to do things differently, to do it like this, to do it like that. I felt so self-conscious and, and awful. It was horrible. Um, it wasn't the sort of thing I wanted to do. I had to pretend to be a presenter telling a story, which would have been fine if I could have done it in my own way. But because I had this director sort of pointing at me and sort of telling me, ah, do it like this, do it like that, do it more enthusiastic, more energy, and that kind of thing. It was really off-putting, and I felt very self-conscious, and everyone was staring at me. And in fact, at one point, I just thought in my head, I was like, no, I don't want to do this. And I stood there, and I was like, sorry, can I just have a moment? I just need a moment to just kind of like get myself prepared mentally. And they were like, okay, have a moment. And they just let me stand there. I mean, I thought I would go off and just like walk up and down or something. But they were like, okay, have a moment. And they just, everyone stayed exactly where they were and they stayed looking at me and they just watched me have a moment. I just stood there kind of <laughs> sort of rubbing my forehead like that. 
And then, and then they were like, okay, are you ready? And it was just so embarrassing and awful. Luckily, one of my friends got the job in the end, which was nice. I'm glad that it was one of my friends who got the job. Uh, so acting, yes, acting on the podcast is what I like to do. Acting in uh, studios with directors and cameras is very, it makes me feel very awkward. Maybe I just need to practice it more. But I would like to do more acting on the podcast in some way in the future. I have another story episode coming up, by the way. It's an episode I've already recorded and I had an absolute blast, an absolute, I had a whale of a time recording it. And so that's coming soon. In an episode soon, I'll read a classic old story to you. An old story with some good characters in it. But I will let you discover that when it drops soon. Okay, but as you are listening to this, the the sort of the time that you're listening to this, which is, I think this is something like episode 828. When you're listening to this, you've probably already heard some other episodes which I have recorded, but I haven't yet published. So somehow you've heard some episodes I haven't even published yet. I have I've recorded them, but I haven't published them. But somehow you've heard them. How is that possible? I don't I don't know. I don't understand it either. I'm trapped in a time loop. Anyway, I hope you enjoy all those episodes which are coming up and including all the ones which you've already heard, including the three-part series I did about ChatGPT. Probably a bit late now because the whole ChatGPT hype, the craze, the buzz around ChatGPT was mostly earlier this year. So I arrived a little bit late to the game, maybe. Nevertheless, I hope you found it interesting and it gave you some ideas how to or how not uh, to learn uh, English with ChatGPT. And then I expect you will have heard my conversation with Amber and all her extraordinary stories about the history of Paris. Then the useful episode about IELTS, the chat with my friend Sebastian, all about words which came from Yiddish. And I was quite surprised at how many of them I knew and even would use regularly, showing that English is not only the product of Anglo-Saxon, French, Latin, and so on. You know, that story that we've heard before, which maybe I need to tell on the podcast, the story, the story of English, the history of the English language. Essentially, it's a mix of, a, of Germanic, uh, French, Latin, and um, maybe some remnants of the old Celtic uh, indigenous language. But that's the normal story. But there are more influences on English than that. As um, as Fred Iango said, in fact, uh, last year in an episode when we talked about word origins and stuff. But uh, yes, English has taken words from lots of different places, including a lot of words from Yiddish. And I, as I said, I was surprised at how many I know or actually use. Um, so... So there was that episode. And then after that, I expect you've heard my friendly chat with Andy from Instagram. And now here you are listening to this. So coming up on the podcast over the next few weeks, I will be finally completing a series of episodes which I started long, long ago, but never completed. That's going to be the next episode. Okay, the long awaited third part of a certain series is coming next to be followed by that classic old story that I mentioned before, which requires a bit of acting from me, and then some more language learning advice in an episode, and another funny text adventure game. 
those things are coming. And then, of course, my second child is, is going to arrive, isn't he? Yes, my wife is due to give birth to child two at the start of July. But hopefully between now and then, I will be able to record a few more podcast episodes to see me through until I can return to my pod room for more podcasting as normal. Okay, so there there will be the arrival of a human, uh, a small, um, brand new human being at the beginning of July. But as I've just said, hopefully if I can record enough podcasts, then I'll be able to just automatically publish them while I am probably sitting on the end of a bed in the middle of the night trying to get a small child to fall asleep or something along those lines. You know, that you know, you know, children, kids. We we all we all we were all babies at one point. That did that's that has amazed me in the past when I first became a father uh, with my daughter five you know five and a half years ago. I remember just trying to look after her and how sort of vulnerable she was as a baby and how needy she was as a baby and how much of a I mean it's a joy but also how much of a struggle it is to kind of look after her in every way in those early days. And I remember going outside feeling a bit dazed and confused and sleep deprived and looking around at all the countless people around me and thinking to myself, wow, all of these people were all babies at one point. Everyone here was a baby at some point. It's just stunning to think that this little sort of thing that you have in your hands, this crying little thing that needs all your care, ultimately will grow up to become a human being walking around doing stuff. It is amazing. Um, but anyway, that's happening in July. So we will see how that affects the podcast. Um, episodes of Luke's English Podcast Premium will continue, of course, and they will be regularly uploaded as usual going forwards. I don't know which ones you've heard so far. Let me just have a look at my my schedule here. So, Eight to eight. Okay, so I'm I'm publishing episode eight to eight here after I have published uh, P forty eight parts one and two, and maybe P forty nine as well. I think you've probably, hopefully, you will have heard P forty eight and P forty nine, both of them story time episodes on Luke's English Podcast Premium. Uh, but new premium episodes are being recorded and will be available to you on a regular basis, as you would expect, with more storytime episodes telling a few interesting stories and then mining them for learning English possibilities and potential, including vocabulary, grammar, and especially pronunciation. Okay, In my premium episodes, you always get dedicated pronunciation episodes to let you repeat after me and copy my rhythm, stress, intonation, vowel sounds, consonant sounds, consonant clusters, connected speech, all those different things. Okay, so check it out at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. The way it works is you can sign up and basically you will be you will be able to add Luke's English Podcast Premium to your podcast app on your phone. So your new podcast subscription replaces the old one. And the new one has all the normal episodes without any advertising. So that's all removed. Um, but also included in the list, you will find all the premium episodes as well. Mmm, wonderful. For more information, just go to my website, okay? 
So if you've got any questions about LEP Premium, such as how do I check my account? How do I get the PDFs? How do I get the video versions? How do I actually listen? How do I add LEP Premium to a podcast app on my phone, like you keep saying? Can I listen on my computer? And where are the older premium episodes in the list? Answers to all of those questions and more can be found at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. Okay. All right. So that's it then for this episode. All right. Have a lovely, lovely day, evening, afternoon, morning or night, whether you are standing, sitting or lying down in a dark room somewhere. Okay, just enjoy that moment. In fact, what you should do is after listening to this, when you've stopped listening to this, just take a moment to just simply enjoy and appreciate what you have around you. It's important to be grateful and to recognise the positive things that you have in your life, even down to little things like... "Mm, my socks are comfortable, right? Or I'm lucky that uh, it's not raining. Hopefully, it's not actually raining. If it is raining, you can say, "Mm, nice weather for ducks, okay? So just have a look around you and try, if it's possible, I don't know your surroundings, of course, but try to extract some measure of positivity and optimism from your surroundings and make a note of it mentally. It's important. It's important to look on the bright side of life. Always look on the bright side of life. You know that song. If you don't, then you should. Okay, that's enough uh, blathering from me. I will speak to you in the next episode. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.